This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast brought to you by Hoxo Media and I'm so excited to welcome to our channel today somebody that I listen to as an avid um, fan of the Stephen Bartlett uh, Diary of the CEO podcast. Stephanie Romyshevsky, I hope I've said that right, is the founder of the Sleepyhead Clinic and when I listened to this episode I was talking out loud because Stephanie promotes well-being and it's all around your sleep and I just thought this is something that every human being does, needs, wants but it seems to be something that we don't necessarily talk about in the recruitment world but for me, my own personal journey, I discovered that good sleep was the reason that I'm a calm contented and very happy individual so I wanted to invite Stephanie on our channels today so thank you so much for joining us in your very hectic schedule Stephanie how are you today? Uh, Thank you for having me I'm okay Uh, yes it's been a bit busy as you can imagine since lockdown there's been a lot of sleep issues Um, but yeah so here we are. (laughs) And it's it's possible we're going to be joined by another guest who is oh yeah (laughs) so for anyone watching on YouTube if that happens He's absolutely beautiful, so we don't mind. <laughs> so you've just you've just done a nice introduction there because actually you're right. The reason that I sort of reached out to you quite a while ago was because I was listening to a lot of my clients who are recruitment leaders across the globe that their sleep had been um, impacted, particularly since COVID began. So why has that happened? Why particularly since the pandemic? I think, um, well, it, it makes actual a huge amount of sense. Your brain is super smart and it's constantly adapting, but it is, it's heavily influenced by our behavior. Now, if you can imagine, we had to change where we worked. We changed if we were working or not. Uh, as soon as you had us working from home and doing less activity outside, you weren't um, probably getting up at the same time anymore because you didn't have that restraint. You might not have been going to bed at the same times. So maybe you spent more time in bed. Maybe you spent less time in bed. Maybe you were eating at different times. You certainly weren't getting the same amount of exercise because even if you were using your hour of exercise a day, doing exercise usually you're moving around much more social so the fact that we are very social creatures and suddenly we weren't able to do that I mean I don't know about you but I didn't really want to sit on zoom all day after sitting on zoom all day for work um, and and speak to my friends and family of course I want to keep in contact with them all but it was just not the same being over zoom um, so if you think about all those changes so first of all very physiological changes so how you your activity your sleep your food um, uh, just in your own behavior and how you were doing it and then you think about there being this more global worry so on top of everything else you usually have to process in a day which happens in your sleep you now had this global concern that you couldn't run away from so everywhere everybody was talking about it So then you've got the psychological side of it. So is it any wonder then that your sleep and your brain, which is so good at adapting, started behaving slightly differently? It was trying to adapt to the situation. It's just that we don't know enough about sleep. So we freak out when these things happen. And then, of course, we change our behaviors even more because we're like, oh, my God, sleep's gone wrong. Let me look up 20,000 tips to sleep well. And suddenly you're becoming obsessive about these things that aren't even working for you but you just keep doing them anyway and then you're leaving you're, you're living a life that was very different to the one that you had previously and then the, the the world has been going on about sleep it's become very zeitgeisty and popular in the last like couple of years so if you put all those things together it makes total sense that we've become neurotic and anxious about our sleep 
it's, it's that, that's the right word isn't it we're neurotic yeah. and it's almost like a sure. of honor that I've slept for the night and you've not slept for that how much sleep have you yeah. had and we've been oh, with it because of the things that we wear on our wrists as well oh, like, yeah even though I'm, I don't wear one my phone tells me how much sleep I've just told you that off camera how much sleep I get at night mm. yeah. is that a good thing that we know how much sleep we have well, it's a bit like asking about the whole tracking question in general like do we think that more information is better I think that without understanding it properly and sometimes not getting very accurate information it can be very dangerous and actually I have people bringing realms of information through to my clinic and I just basically rip it all up and throw it in the bin and say could you please now just do this instead of all of this tracking um, you know if we wanted to fully look at your sleep we do a proper polysomnographic sleep study at night and that would cost us a couple of thousand pounds to even run and we have to do very specific things like literally super glue electrodes to your head to look at brain activity mm. so why could we get that from and 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 yes there is certain amount of tracking that you can do but without a goal of your tracking and the right education onto what to do about it mm. it becomes quite dangerous and actually yes i've seen chronic insomnia being developed from overthinking about your sleep yeah no and I'm really pleased and I know that we haven't discussed that off camera but I'm really pleased that I did bring that up with you so in terms of good sleep and good healthy sleep what you know if you can give us a snapshot why do we need a good night's sleep in the first place because some people might think well you know I can cope I can I can function on it why do you portray that well it's a bit it's a bit well the thing is it's a really weird question to ask it's a bit like you know how if we all had the most perfect balanced diet we would live longer mm. we would get less disease and we would be much healthier but the reality is our culture and society doesn't allow us to do that all the time and guess what most of us are doing pretty well yes we've got extremes out there who aren't doing so well because they are extreme eating or extreme under eating things like that but in general, most of us are okay. It's the same with sleep. Of course, we need it. it. It's just like eating. We would not survive if we didn't do it. But the reality is most of us are doing it. Um, so maybe I haven't really answered your question, but I get really worried about saying things like, if you don't get enough sleep, your risks of this and that are increased. And the reason being, because when you look at those studies, you need to ask, are, are, am I being actively restricted from sleep? For example, are you actively being woken up every single night for 20 years by something that's completely out of your control? Now, by that, I mean things like babies mm -hmm. and other things like firemen who have to be on call yeah. and they're going to be actively restricted because they have to wake up and put out a fire. Right. That's active restriction. But when you will do anything to get a good night's sleep and you give yourself all the sleep opportunity and you're still not getting it or what you perceive your expectation is of a good night's sleep, then you're probably not sleep deprived. Because if you were, you would be literally hanging every day. And what I mean by that is you would be falling asleep in every meeting. You would be not able to keep your eyes open. But most insomniacs, they're very fatigued and it's a horrible, insidious thing to have. But it is not the same as active sleep deprivation. See, the thing is about active sleep deprivation is the first thing your body will do is make you sleepy. And if you ignore those signals, which no insomniac is doing and nobody with sleep problems is really ignoring the signals. There's a few that will like the CEOs that are like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. But most people are not doing that. You know, they're not they're not you know, my clinic's not full of people that are dropping down dead, for example, and they're really sick. But it is full of people who are very anxious and their mental health is slowly deteriorating and they are not um 
they're not living their lives the way they used to because they are terrified it's the fear of lack of sleep it is the fear that is doing more damage to them than the actual physiological effects of not what they feel getting the right expectation for them is does that make sense yeah totally so actually is this because we're symptomatic of you know you should get seven hours sleep or eight hours sleep Mm. and actually every person is like you've just used the comparable to food everybody's diet is different because we all have requirements for calories and for protein Mm. and carbohydrate so actually we all have different sleep requirements maybe it's learning to be in tune with your own body's needs instead of saying well you know you need to go to bed at 10 o'clock but I don't need to go to bed till midnight so is there a case of we need to stop comparing ourselves to other people absolutely for sure and yes there is some education around sleep that we all need that we aren't getting we don't educate children on sleep at all and it is a pillar to health like exercise like eating healthily and that's what we need to um we need to talk about but I think just because no one's really spoken about sleep before and I know this because I've been in the field for so long and I've been begging people to start putting it on the agenda um of course just like anything new you get all sorts of information out there and we all get very excited about it we still get excited when somebody says there's a new superfood out there superfoods don't exist there's nothing you could really eat that's suddenly going to miraculously change you as a person and it's exactly the same um you know there's no tiny little component everyone always says but what about cbd oil what about this for sleep what about that and i'm like sleep it doesn't work like that it's it's a consistent thing you do over time so it matters how you do it over time but nothing is going to miraculously change it in one night but if you see how excited we still get about these little possibilities in food because we love that short quick reactive oh my god magically it's going to make everything better we also have that kind of um ideals around sleep right now so we still get very excited when people talk about clean sleeping which is becoming a thing which is a bit of a worry or like there's you know should we all be napping during the day and we all get very excited about it and you know we we want to know about it and that's great uh, but at the same time we just need to be a bit more rational and realistic i'm a a little bit cynical about um i mean i i I do do a hit and i've been doing hits for about five years which for me works really well but some people doesn't have any impact and some mm-hmm. of these videos that, you know, they come up on YouTube is you should watch this, you know, get get um, 11 abs in, in seven days. You're not going to get abs in seven days. <laughs> it's the compound effect, isn't it? And that's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying, that there is not going to be a pill that you can take to, well, I mean, I guess there is a sleeping pill you can take, but there is, to have healthy, to, to create a healthy, yeah. powerful attitude to sleep as you would diet, exercise, yeah. work, whatever it might be. There is not something you can just turn on. It's about no. all these different behaviors. And yeah. are there are there golden rules for health? Yes, okay. there are. But I would call I I like to yeah they're the most influential factors. So bearing in mind there are thousands and thousands of variables that affect your sleep. It would be completely impossible to or and it's pointless. Like unless you want to become a robot in your own life and deeply unhappy, why would you try and control the whole thing just to have the perfect night's sleep? Really, what what is your priorities here? That seems ridiculous. However, there are a few things that we know are massively influential. So these are the things that I would stick to. One thing is you really need to start regulating your wake time. It is not about going to bed at the same time each night. It is about waking up at the same time each morning. The more you regulate that, and I can I can even hear now some people freaking out at the very possibility of this. And the fact that that does freak people out makes me see how dysregulated their sleep is and how, you know, they're constantly keep trying to catch up with themselves at the weekends and not sleeping enough during the week it's not a way to be so regulating your wake up time 
your sleep is a circadian rhythm. So all the different processes that happen to you over a 24 hour period that can change. So sleep is one of them, mood is one of them, temperature and um, appetite or, or food regulation of your appetite, things like that. Um, now, if you wake up at the same time every day, you're effectively regulating the rest of your circadian rhythms as well. So your body needs a goalpost. If you keep changing the goalposts, then how are you supposed to understand when to feel hungry and when to feel full? How is your mood supposed to stay regulated your, your body's going to be like, you've woken up two hours later than usual. I don't know when you want me to make you hungry. For, I don't know when breakfast is now. I don't know when, you know, when you want to be happy, when I'm supposed to make you the most alert for the day. And then we feel rubbish and we're like, well, why has that happened? And we think it's such a mysterious issue and actually it's our behavior. So waking up at the same time every day is one of them. Second one is uh, light. Light is the most influential external energy source that you have available to you. It is free and everybody can get it. And so I don't understand why we're not manipulating it more. You need much brighter light exposure in the morning than you realize, especially in the winter. Why do we, uh, you know, walk creep around in the mornings, trying not to wake anyone up, trying to keep all the lights down low, really being silent. You should be waking the entire house up. Why isn't everyone waking up at the same time? And being loud? I do. <laughs> good you're, you're doing it um but you know and then in the evenings the irony we we put all the technology on all the lights now i'm not saying you can't do all those things but at least do it in moderation and try and work with your your sleep wake cycle just the way that we were evolved on this planet we were evolved to be at our best to be as alert and effective as possible during daylight hours and then to be sleeping or to be passive and quiet in the nighttime hours so the more you can try and shift your your cycle to that the the better um your third rule is probably going to be go to bed give yourself permission to go to bed when you're actually sleepy and stop forcing yourself to go because people say you should spend a certain amount of time in bed if you have the opportunity there so let's say you're lucky enough in this life to have a bedroom where you can go that is peaceful that is quiet that is ready for you and it's ready for you for eight hours a day then as long as that's there only take yourself to it when you plan to go to sleep rather than I'm going to go to bed now because I'm worried about my sleep. I'm then going to spend the next three hours getting anxious and stressed and tossing and turning because I can't sleep. And then actually the rest of your night's sleep is going to be really bad quality because you've started off on the wrong foot. Ooh. Whereas if you're super sleepy, which is good for your sleep, sleepiness is a good thing. You're going to have a great quality sleep, which is all about quality over quantity. Oh, I love that. No, definitely. I love your golden rules. I think they're really, <laughs> they're really, and as I'm sitting here, I'm just thinking, these are just, these are life-changing things that you're talking about. And But fairly and easy to do. Easy to achieve. Yeah, oh, yeah. that about light. I'm like, you're absolutely right. We need to yeah. crave vitamin D and you crave yeah. it and you don't always get it, but you're right, we seem to shut it out when it's, when it's nighttime. I want to pick up on something you mentioned earlier on and it's something that I'm a huge of and I don't know if it's because I'm a little bit older or if it's because it's something when my children have grown or almost grown up now power naps and I don't need one all the time but there are some days and that it might be to do with a monthly cycle or you know the weather but I do feel that some days I just go and sit on the sofa and I, I just need five minutes what are your views generally on power naps we interrupt this episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to bring you a message from our wonderful sponsors over at Hoxo Media. Now, recruitment agencies invest heavily in LinkedIn licenses because ultimately it's where we're all at. 
given that we spend an average one to two hours a day on our phones, the rest of the time is spent scrolling through LinkedIn, looking for unicorn candidates and target clients. Now, if we look at the recruitment training programs that are available, they tend to be focused around outbound phone sales and leadership skills. So how do you, our listener, maximize the huge investment of time and money that is spent on LinkedIn? Well, this is where Hoxo Media is solving this problem for hundreds of recruitment agencies. And we want to share this message with you. Their academy program allows recruiters across the globe being coached in how to optimize their LinkedIn profile, creating daily habits for building out that unbelievable audience, that target audience, where they're producing their own valuable content that engages the right people and ultimately drives content into inbound sales conversations. As I mentioned, they're working with hundreds of recruitment agencies and there are over 300 recruiters every month enrolling on the academy, which enables them to increase their knowledge in how to basically develop the best content and maximize the results from LinkedIn. And to be honest with you, the testimonies have been absolutely incredible. So by enrolling in the academy with just one single payment, you can train your entire business for 12 months, which is why I'm so excited to share this message with you, our listener. So if you're a traditional recruiter like me, and you're an owner of a business, or you've got teams working for you who rely on outbound calls to attract clients and candidates, then really, you do need to listen to this message and get in touch. You might find that you are using LinkedIn, but perhaps just for sharing jobs on there. And you struggle generally for um, original content ideas and ultimately the confidence to actually know what is going to be good content for driving that inbound business. So I would love you to speak to Hoxo Media. Drop me a DM either on the link on this message on this episode or send me a WhatsApp and I can give you more information on how your agency can benefit from joining this program. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Um, just in general, as long as you're not using them to overcompensate for consistent poor sleep all the time, I definitely think a short power nap more earlier on in the day than later on in the day that's not more than 30 minutes is probably going to do you some good. But um, the longer the nap, the more likely it is that there is something going on with the quality of your sleep at night that you should be a bit more aware of. And I would definitely speak to the doctor if you are able to just nap during the day whenever you want and you know you're getting the right amount of sleep at night or you feel like you're getting enough sleep at night, then that is something you need to speak to the doctor about. That could potentially be a sign of something like sleep apnea. Um, but if you are using a short nap every single day because you sleep badly at night and you want to resolve that, then you've got to take away the nap. Yeah. Um, but there's people all around the world like the Spanish lava siesta and there's nothing wrong with that, but they have a very different expectation of their sleep at night. They eat later, they go to bed later and they're fine with that. And there are many different cycles of sleep that you can have. It's just that we know in the research, the best way to have the longest life, to be the healthiest, is to have one long block of sleep at night. But it doesn't mean you have to live like that if you don't want to. Remember, it's like food. Yes, we have the perfect diet or not diet, but the healthy regimen, but you're not gonna have, you're not gonna be able to get that every day unless you're super rich and somebody can control all of your food all of the time. So you're not, you're just not going to have the opportunity. So it's best to try and be as good as you can most of the time. And then, you know, I nap every now and again. I, I have a line every now and again. I just know how to be fairly consistent yeah. most of the time, not all the time. 
yeah exactly it's, it's that kind of moderation isn't it really mm. making sure you're not mm. all the time I think it's really interesting so you mentioned food there are there any foods particularly I mean and again it's a generic thing but you know cheese is, is seen as like the devil food before bedtime no no just so I mean eating <laughs> do you know what just don't eat that late at night because otherwise you're asking your body to do two things whilst your body's winding down you're trying to rev up your metabolism so the only real advice I'd give is just do it a little bit earlier and yes of course the richer the food the more complex the the, the metabolism needs to or you know the way that you need to break down those foods yeah the later you have them they're more likely to affect you than if you didn't eat those types of food so uh, it's not really about what types of food and it's not going to make a severe difference anyway so just be mindful that stop asking your body to do two things at once otherwise you'll either end up with a tummy ache or not sleeping very well so you choose yeah or both um so so it's less I don't, I hate starting to talk about all these, this research. Yeah, they're doing some research now on cherries for goodness sake and uh, understanding that you might get a slightly more onset. The thing is you need a, you need a, a decrease in a certain type of uh, vitamins and minerals and things before you can start using those things in order to boost whatever it is you're trying to boost. Do you see what I mean? Like there has to be deficiencies there for something to start making an improvement for you. Um, it's like melatonin. Everyone's like, well, what about melatonin for sleep? And I'm like, most of us have enough melatonin. Therefore, it's not going to do anything for you. And also, it's not really there to help you sleep all the way through the night. It's there to help you with the timing of when you start sleeping every night. Um, so yeah, it's a difficult one, but I, I like to just stick to the, look, if you stuck to these things, you're going to see more influence, like the things we just discussed, over you going through these 10,000 tiny little things that you end up filling your life with, moving away from what makes you happy, it makes yeah. no sense. And you still don't see a, 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 a increase in your sleep at night. No, which is ultimately the, the sort of the prize at the end of all this. Mm. I'm not going to be evangelical about the fact that I don't drink alcohol, but I said to you off camera before we started that since I chose to become teetotal four years ago, mm. my quality of sleep has insurmountably changed from mm. a sort of comatose dropping in bed waking mm. up thirsty then needing the loo and then this vicious mm. cycle to I know I sleep through because I don't move basically my mm. haven't moved I wake up same time every morning so I, I'm a huge advocate of what you just said I, I, <laughs> I wake up at 5 30 a.m every day or slightly mm. before like literally just before my alarm it's really bizarre oh yeah because your body's naturally doing it great doing it and I, I wonder whether, and again, I'm really careful never to be this evangelical preacher about alcohol, but mm. people know, that know my profile know that I am a very proud teetotaler. Mm. Is there a distinct correlation between sleep and alcohol consumption? For sure. Um, yeah. If you are drinking alcohol every night, for example, you will. So first of all, alcohol does make you sleepy, just like a sleeping pill does. It's a sedative. It's a depressant. It will make you sleepy. As soon as your body's metabolized it all, it will have a wake rebound. So it will start affecting the quality of your sleep. So even if you sleep through the quality of your sleep, so the stages of sleep that you're supposed to go through, you will not go through them. So either you wake up like for me, if I have a few drinks, I will wake up early in the morning and I will not be able to get back to sleep. Other people won't be able to sleep at all and other people will just sleep through the night, but it will be so awful that part of that hangover is the fact that they're unable, you know, they can't drink and sleep properly. The other thing is the more you drink. So if you become an alcoholic, 
you tend to lose your REM sleep, which is really bad for your mental health. So REM sleep is something you get more in the second half of the night. It is a very active and conscious state of sleep. So people think it's part of deep sleep. It's not. It's where you have a lot of your dreams, but you can dream in other areas of your sleep. Um, and it is more as we understand it right now, and we don't understand that much about our sleep, is that it's really important for your mental health and more psychiatric conditions come out of being an alcoholic because of that reduction in REM sleep or completely not having any at all. Oh. So, yeah. So, yeah, alcohol definitely affects sleep for sure. And it's not great. And that could be why that you've had an increase in people coming to your clinic because the level of alcohol. Yeah. Dependent you know what's sad? Yeah people use alcohol dependence like they use alcohol to try to sleep now just like a sleeping pill the more you take the more you know the the it starts to stop working essentially for that initiation of sleep and so then you start taking more of it so it's actually quite common for me to have at least one alcoholic every month that I'm treating because they started to become an alcoholic because they got insomnia and they were trying to treat it it's really sad. Vicious cycle. Yeah, no, it really is. I'm re- well, I'm really pleased that I brought that point up then because I'm very mm. always very mindful that I don't ever want to sound preachy, but actually for me, that has it's totally transformed my life. And I, when I talk to people about my sobriety, I actually bring sleep into it quite frequently. Mm. That that's for me the one of the greatest advantages to because mm. then it all starts to me with good sleep. That's yeah. You know you've had a good night's sleep, then you know you yeah. have a great day, no matter oh what. Oh my god. Everything falls into place with your sleep. It's like nothing else that you can do. I, I, it's amazing. I totally agree. Well, I'm absolutely fascinated by the topic and we're going to make sure when we share this, it's got all the links to your clinic. I think you're remarkable what you do. What an amazing job you've got, Stephanie. <laughs> I know, I'm very, very lucky. I have so no doubt you will get lots of people viewing you from across the recruitment world and I hope that they, de- they genuinely get in touch to talk to you about how they can improve their sleep and that of their teams as well. And thank you to your, uh, your dog has stayed out the picture, which is a real shame because he was absolutely beautiful. I know, he's been uh, out. Look, look at that gorgeous dog. Oh, <laughs> Well, beautiful dog. Thank you so much for making time to talk to us today. We really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you.